time of uh, great upheaval and, mm -hmm. and shift, shifting and change, that also means it's a time of opportunity. And um, and we just have to do everything we can to, to seize this opportunity to right the ship and put it back on course. Welcome back to The Kevin Roberts Show. Thanks so much for watching or listening. For those of you who are subscribers, thank you. You know the usual drill. I'll ask you if you have a friend who likes the show and hasn't subscribed, please do so. And you know the whole thing about giving us a five-star rating. It's the only kind of rating we like. Most importantly, as is the case every week, because there are so many smart men and women across the world, we have a very special guest today. Yoram Hazoni is someone I have gotten to know only in the last couple of years. And in the last few months, Yoram, we've had a few meetings together. And as my colleagues here at Heritage would attest, I have said you are one of my favorite people I've ever met in my life. And you are one of the kindest, gentlest souls. I've encountered in my life. And in the work that you and I do, which is the work of ideas and to some extent policy and politics, where most Americans, people around the world would expect discourse to be toxic, you actually personify not doing that. Doesn't mean that you are a pushover. Doesn't mean that you and I see things identically, although we've established pretty closely. Uh, we have a good time even when we have differences of opinion. All of that to say the purpose of this show is to talk about ideas, but also to, I hope, over the years that we are able to, to do this show, to emulate friendship, even across differences of opinion. So on behalf of all of us at Heritage, but certainly speaking for Kevin Roberts, thank you for being here. Well, thank you for that immensely gracious uh, introduction. I, you know, I, I keep waiting for the but. There's none. There's none. Okay, so yeah, I, I think we've accomplished what we need to do. Okay, so this is a short, a short episode. <laughs> I have so many questions because you're also an eminently intelligent guy, and you have this this new book, Conservatism or Rediscovery, which we'll we'll talk quite a bit about today. Not exclusively, because there are a lot of things we want to cover beyond that. And and but before that, you know, I'm I'm a Southerner, and so before I can really even ask halfway decent, intelligent questions. I need to know about the person that I'm talking to. And I have gotten to know you a little bit, but perhaps there are some some listeners or people watching this who who know of you but don't really know you. Tell us about Yoram Hazoni. How'd you get here? I was born in Israel. Mm -hmm. Um and uh when when I was a small child, my my family moved to New Jersey. So I I I, people have been telling me, so you're an immigrant. <laughs> you know, I, I never thought about about it quite like that. But yeah. uh, so I, I I grew up in in Princeton, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. I, I met my wife as an undergraduate. Um, those were the you know the Reagan Thatcher, John Paul II years. Right. And uh, and I, I know people don't usually think about those years that way today, but there 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 was this uh, in, in intense religious nationalist revival going mm -hmm. on on the Princeton campus, which um, uh, swept up hundreds of kids, uh, uh, Christians and Jews. Uh, we founded a, um, a, a conservative magazine called the Princeton Tory. Mm -hmm. um, and um, uh, I did a, after I finished in college, I did a doctorate at, at Rutgers in, in political theory. Mm -hmm. 
um, and and then we went to Israel, and uh, most of you know most of the next thirty years, um, Julie and I were raising we were we were raising nine children, mm -hmm. uh, w which was plenty, and uh, and we were um, focused on um, you know on on doing what we could for Israel and for Judaism. We felt like Israel was you know was. Uh, on the edge of the volcano, right, and that America looked strong, mm -hmm. and a few years ago, that changed, mm -hmm. and um, I, I I remember um, vividly uh, spring of 2016, uh, uh, an older professor friend of mine from uh, from the United States contacted me, and he said, "You know, you got to drop whatever it is you're doing, and get out." gather together everything that you know about nationalism hmm. and 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 put a book about it put out a book now and i mm -hmm. i like pulled pulled my head out of the sand <laughs> and looked around and uh and realized he was right and mm. um so uh now this become two books you know right. one, the first one about nationalism and the second one about uh, uh about what it means to to be a conservative and lead a conservative life mm -hmm. and uh and that's created a, 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 a really surprising um, uh, demand, both in America and in, in Europe, mm -hmm. um, for me to help talk about this uh, you know, ter terrible crisis that the Western nations are going through. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've landed here in your, in your company. Well, <laughs> thanks for responding to that friend's clarion call. I want to ask one follow-up question about that before we begin to dive into your book. And it is this, so your, your friend encourages you to drop everything you're doing, read, research, write about nationalism. Both books are excellent. I, I actually, other than just the obligation of courtesy, don't have an obligation to say that, but by virtue of your being a guest here, and I'm a voracious reader of political theory and history, given my own background, the this book that sits on my lap, conservatism, is one of the finest that I've read about the history of our movement. But I'm gonna come back to that. My question for you is: You responded to this clarion call. Was the situation in the United States as bad or worse than your friend depicted? I know it wasn't better. <laughs> um, I, I I think it's significantly worse. Than, yeah, I was afraid you would say that. Then. Uh, than I imagined. Look, look, I mean, the the, the truth is that the um, there were voices, you know, crying in the wilderness. Um, you know, one that comes to mind is uh, Alan Bloom's closing of the American sure. Mind in 1987, I think. Um, you know, which said explicitly what's happening on the campuses is horrific, but it's. It's the precursor mm -hmm. to the campus expanding and devouring the whole cult culture in America. You know, so th that was an immensely successful book, and I read it, and lots of people read mm -hmm. it, and and you can say it was influential. But I, I just don't think any of us were. I mean, I just don't don't know anybody who was prepared either for the um, uh, for the the the, the so-called resistance mm -hmm. um, to the Trump administration and to Brexit in Britain, mm -hmm. which was very much parallel. This this resistance saying that 
um, uh, that nationalism is now illegitimate right. and it it just has to be you know demonized. It, it can't, you can't you can't cooperate with it. It's not part of the democratic system. So I don't think people were ready for that in mm -hmm. 2016, and I don't think people were ready in 2020 for the immensely successful push by uh, by this woke neo-Marxist movement to um, to take control of yeah. basically, I mean, the, 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 the most important liberal institutions in the United States, you know, from the New York Times to, you know, Princeton University. Yeah. Um, th this puts us in, th these two things put us on really un unprecedented ground and the, um, uh the 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 earth is quaking beneath our our feet it really it really is and mm -hmm. and uh um you know america's precious to me and it's important but we should also understand that uh if if america goes down it you know this it's very likely it's going to take all the democratic nations with us that's right so you know the stakes are basically you know maximum yeah we have a situation in the world today where global elites and i do mean that pejoratively want to end the nation state the concept of the nation state and of course america is is squarely in the targets we could go a lot of different directions based on that assertion that i just made but the the one we'll choose for now is that as i think about your critique of america in particular just the the, the hastening pace of what we recognize as wokeism, you and I would recognize as as academics, a very radical academic left that's been that way for a long time. It had been that way for basically a generation when Bloom wrote the book in in eighty seven. But the question is, we as conservatives were caught flat footed. I mean, I'd like to think that some of us were caught flat footed just in the pace of the advance of the radical left. But we know that we have some conservative friends, and, and certainly mean this fraternally, who have just been dismissive toward those of us who care deeply about faith and family and the distinguishing characteristics of what it is to be conservative. All of that to say, it has led you to be really involved, one of the leaders, actually, of what's now known as the National Conservative Movement. And that ultimately is going to be the big thrust of our conversation today. But you, know, you and I, because we're immersed in this world, talk about these these labels these phrases you know as if everyone in the world knows about them but for someone who's listening or watching who's who's very intrigued by what you've had to say but isn't quite sure what national conservative means explain that for them sure well for, first of all the the term i mean it, it it's kind of redundant i mean the 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 anglo-american conservative tradition um has been uh has had the idea of the nation and the reality of the nation, a, a world of nations and mm -hmm. national independence um, as one of its central pillars um, for many centuries. So, uh, you know, so like you, I would, I would much rather just say conservative mm. and, uh, the, but, but the reason that at this moment we need to say national conservative is because um, for at least 30 years since the fall of the Berlin wall, um the 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 term conservatism has been um conflated with uh uh 
with, with globalism. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, that's right. Many, many conservative, many people who call themselves conservatives, um, when they say conservative, they're either referring to a personal liberal libertarianism, just freedom is really the, the only important thing. Right. Or they're referring to um, uh, a globalist neoliberalism, which says um, not only is freedom the only important thing, but we know how the entire world should be governed, e even to the point of imposing it on others. Right. And so those sort of twin um, versions of you know what calls itself conservatism, the the libertarian version and the and the globalist version. Those became so dominant in the last thirty years that uh, when when we started organizing these um, the, the, these conferences for you know basically for uh, uh, for uh, dissenters, mm -hmm. um, uh, the the first one we did was uh, was in December twenty sixteen, a month after Trump was uh, was elected, and when we started doing this, it, I mean, it, it was very obvious that you know. It, you could say, well, we're the true conservatives, but that's so obnoxious. Yeah, you know, I mean, it is. It's just, it really I mean, is. You know, some people, some people talk like I, yeah. I, I just, I can't stand it. It's, it's just yeah. so offensive. So, um, so we just thought that, look, b between neoconservatism, sort of in the center of the political map, and uh, on on the far right, there's all these groups that focus on race. Mm -hmm. So in the center, there are people who focus almost exclusively on the individual and on the far right. right, there's people who focus on race. In between, there's this vast, gigantic space where the, you know, the great majority of, of you know, people who are, you know, intuitively conservative, who, who tend to vote conservative, the great majority mm -hmm. are sitting in between in this That's gigantic right. space. And nobody, they, they didn't get the memo. They didn't know <laughs> that the nation was, you know, a national independence had, you know, ceased to be central to conservatism. and. Um, and and so we decided that to distinguish neocons from natcons, just to, to make it clear that this that this is a change in direction, and uh, and that we're inviting people to join us in that change of direction. So so we we adopted national conservative or nationalist conservative, and uh, basically what it means um, in short is um, is. Uh, no, it's not just about the individual and the entire globe. Mm -hmm. um, it's about the family. It's about the nation. Mm -hmm. It's about national interests and national traditions. Mm -hmm. And and these all of these things mean very real policy changes. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that explanation. That I, I was smirking a little bit in uh, celebration of your persuasiveness because what our audience will now know is you've been working on me recently to um, be less stubborn about my maxim that no adjective should be in front of the word conservative so now you're laughing and we could maybe get some some comments from from audience over the next months and years about that but you make a persuasive case and and so we can we can move on from there and and how i'd like to move on is to ask you the follow-up question that it seems as if just in our lifetimes that what has replaced the concept of the nation state properly defined in conservatism has been the free market that we and of course we love the free market and be really clear that you do as well but it seems as if those two things concept of nation state or nationalism and free market got inverted so, such that whether it's in foreign policy or domestic policy to be a conservative 
say from the late 80s or early 90s until the mid 2010s was to place first and foremost ahead of family, ahead of faith, ahead of all of, of these important institutions in life, the free market. Am I mistaken? No, I I think that's right. I, I, w- I would just add that um, that I that the view that the free market, which which you know, as as you emphasize, um, I and all of my colleagues mm-hmm. were, were raised on the free market. The, you know, n- none of us are socialists. Right. None of us, you know, think that there's some kind of ideal of you know rational central planning that should govern any economy. I mean, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're not there, but um, but I think uh, a responsible conservatism has always uh, been about balancing different principles mm-hmm. and um you know that there, there are different different formulations in 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 in, sure. in in uh in, in the book i look at the preamble of the american constitution of 1787 and i th- there's seven different purposes of government there and only one of them is is individual liberty um so th- there are different formulations but i think a simple compelling way to think about it um uh irvin crystal mm-hmm. um uh, who had a huge impact on me and my friends in the 1980s? Uh, Irving Crystal used to talk, uh, used to say that uh, that modern conservatism rests on three pillars: um, religion, nationalism, and economic growth. And of the three, hmm. he would say that religion is the, the most important. I mean, he's he's famous. He published a book called Two Cheers for for Capitalism." Yep. And it's not because he didn't appreciate uh, the immense worth and, and importance of economic freedoms he did but everything needs to be balanced and his argument was and and this is the same argument that that I continue to make and I think most of my colleagues do do as well is is that um it's utopian to believe that mm. the single principle of individual liberties is capable of doing everything we need to do and it's it's utopian it's false it's just it's mm-hmm. it's just not not true, and so we need religion and the focus on the nation in order to give us the the uh, the, the proper boundaries of the market. Mm-hmm. You know, which you can't you can't just figure it out by by you know just reasoning about it. You need yeah. you need by experience to to uh, to ask what do we need to do in order to be able to conserve and transmit valuable precious important things from the past to future generations and uh and religion and nationalism crystal said the, the, those are the 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 two things that allow us to transmit things mm-hmm. um whereas the market uh in and of itself by itself mm-hmm. um it 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 doesn't it has no loyalty to the mm-hmm. past it it's always changing i mean that's mm-hmm. you know that's what's good about it yep. but it also acts as a solvent it actually if it's the only principle, then it works to destroy the family and the nation. That, that's what we're seeing today. Well, we really are. And, and heck, we could spend a couple of hours just diagnosing that. And again, just to be clear for your sake and, and for that matter, for mine and for all of us at, at Heritage, as an example, we're not denigrating the free market. We're just saying that for a generation or so, we conservatives have have really um, mis- placed it, uh, that it really is at the service of the nation, at the service of the family, rather than the other yes. way around. And so let's let's dive into the book here, um, published by Regnery, our mutual friend, Tom Spence, 
I know was uh, grateful to be able to do that. And here I just want to start with with your comment about national conservatism. And you you write, the nationalist aspect of Anglo-American conservatism does become more pronounced during periods when the integrity of the nation is directly challenged by an excessive internationalism, localism, or individualism. We've we've touched on that. You continue, the conservative movement in American Britain after the mid-2010s is rightly called a nationalist conservatism, as you were just saying, since it seeks to return the national interest or the common good of the nation to the center of political discourse after decades in which the freedom of the individual became the overriding principle in all spheres of life. The thing I want to key in on there, because you've you've very eloquently touched on this in your comments already, is how we place this understanding of a national conservatism at the center of our political discourse. It seems difficult, not just because of the threats from the left, which you talk about at length in your book, but also because of a, of a misunderstanding. And, and again, I say that in great charity and fraternity by conservative friends. How, how do we fix it? Hmm. Uh, I hope you've had enough coffee. <laughs> yeah. How do we fix it? Look, uh, the, the problem with, with fixing something like this, I mean, basically, Again, to simplify, what we're saying is, is that uh, the individual rights and liberties are crucial, but they need to be balanced right. by the family, the nation, religious tradition, mm-hmm. and that kind of balance, that that kind of change, looks really awful to those people who've committed, who you know, who've dug in and mm-hmm. committed to the idea that you know freedom in all things is basically what you need. Right. And the, um, you know, so, so, uh, it, it's a complex, it's a, it's a tough sell because mm-hmm. you're coming to people who say, look, just leave people alone, which, you know, everybody, everybody says, we love yeah, that concept. Yeah, right? You know, I love that. <laughs> yeah. Leave me alone. You know, that's <laughs> just, that's great. Uh, but we're, com- we're coming to, to people who've been thinking about this, you know, leave everybody alone thing for a long time. And the moment you start to say, well, Look, that there uh, there are limits. I mean, for 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 example, you know, we can't uh, uh, leave everybody alone when they're trying to cross America's southern border in the in the million. I mean, there has to be a border. That's you know, that's that's not a liberal principle. That's right. a conservative principle. Or um, there have to be limits to uh, to the uh, the transferring of uh, factories and technologies to mm. China. I mean, like you know it. It makes sense at the at, at at the beginning, but eventually you're just you're just building up this this immense potent rival which wants to destroy you. I mean, mm-hmm. it, at some place at some place it has to stop, or um, you know, pornography is uh, you know it's 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 not a small thing. It's a it's a it's a radical change mm-hmm. for the way children grow up and the way adults live. That's right. To flood the world with. Uh, it, uh, with you know any kind of addictive su- substances, but this one in particular, mm-hmm. which you know it it is both uh, involves the uh, the uh, you know the the enslavement of people, mm-hmm. uh, men and women, in order to 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 create it, and 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 then uh, does immense damage to, to 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 families, to 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 marriage. I mean, it just that that kind of thing. Um, there has to be a point where where you can say uh, we through our 
um, through a mistaken, a mistaken mm -hmm. overemphasis on freedom, we've allowed a, a, a an industry that's you know it, it, it's moving into hundreds of billions of dollars, and that's yep. power. That power is used to influence us in all sorts of ways that we don't even necessarily understand. That's right. So, in so, the name of freedom. In the name of freedom. So, yep. so I, I, I just gave three examples. There are many mm -hmm. more, and uh, I, I, I guess we have to mention the high tech, the the high yeah. tech thing. Because I mean, because it's it's just I, I, I there's no common sense. It, you know, no traditional conservative going back centuries would have said, you know, the First Amendment's really important, but private companies ought to be able to uh, take over the, you know. The, the the entire public political sphere and censor because they're private. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that, that, that's it's just- absurd on his face. It, it's, it, yeah. it, it's just absurd. But mm -hmm. but people who are committed to individual liberty, liberties only, I mean, they literally say, well, you know, what can you do? I, I, uh, uh, Jack Dorsey created this company and it's a private company. Look, so it, it, it's, it, this is, it's hard to, to get people to, change something so basic mm -hmm. because they they think you know you're taking away my entire worldview you uh, or, yeah. or worse like you're, you're selling authoritarianism you're you're a social right. they think all these terrible things and and yet reality uh, gets to decide in the end and and the reality is that a society that is built on all freedom all the time with no constraints and no guardrails is going to fail and it's already failing it is, and and in some catastrophic ways. The again, a lot of different ways we can we can go that wonderful response. But I want to perhaps inject a little bit of optimism, not in a hollow way. You're not interested in hollow optimism. I'm not, but I will say there's a certain there's a certain resolve and a certain realistic cheerfulness among those of you who have been leaders in the national conservative movement, which doesn't surprise me because all of you have done such a great job of emphasizing the role of faith, which we'll come back to. But this is the point that I want to make for our audience. And it is that your understanding of history, my understanding of history leads us to say all is not lost, that, that it has, actually is possible for us to reclaim nationalism, to reclaim some of the institutions in this country. You, you mentioned in the book, that an important principle of Anglo-American conservative thought, as you write, is this. When faced with the disastrous consequences of a particular course of action, we must retrace our steps and restore, as much as possible, the conditions that existed prior to setting out on this course. You mentioned a few examples from history. Are you that optimistic in the 2020s that A, American conservatives will recognize the, I won't say folly, but just we'll say the well-intentioned mistake of overemphasizing the market, overemphasizing globalism quickly enough for us to be more cohered to actually restore the institutions of this country. Look, I, I, I'm not going to say I'm optimistic, but but I'm not. No, I couldn't no, get I'm you no, there. No, I'm I'm not a pessimist either. Yep. I, I I I I think you put your finger on it that. Um, that if your framework is, you know, is a is a biblical religious mm -hmm. worldview, if that's your framework, then there's a couple things that you know. One thing that you know is that human beings are really, really bad at seeing where things are going. Yeah, and um, you, you know, I mean, almost nobody saw the uh, uh, almost nobody 
saw the collapse of the Soviet Union. I mean, there were maybe two guys out of the 10,000 people who were paid to know what was going on in the Soviet Union mm -hmm. who, who, who saw in the 1980s what was coming. <clears throat> and, and, and the same thing is true for uh, the rise of nationalism in, you know, in, in 2016 or the, uh, or, or the collapse of the housing, you know, market in 2008. We're, we're terrible. We're terrible at seeing the future. So if you just sort of project out the current trends, then, you know, then you see catastrophe. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that's what's, what's going to happen. What, right. I mean, what's going to happen could be something very, very different. And, um, and I, so I, I think, religious people are in a sense more realistic some, mm -hmm. about this. We can only do what we can do. We have to do everything we can do. Um, we have to do everything that's in our power. But in the end, what's going to happen is it, it, it's not dependent just on what we did. In the end, you know, God is going to decide whether we succeed or not. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's what we got to do. I mean, we, and I, 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 think, I think that's a reason to be cheerful. We, we know we're doing the right thing. We, we we know that we're working to bring uh, common sense and and traditional uh, tr tradition and, and sanity um, to countries that have have veered from you know from 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 that path mm -hmm. and um, and there's 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 no reason to be pessimistic. Uh, it, it, this is actually you know it, it, it's a time of uh, great upheaval and mm -hmm. and shift shifting and change that also means it's a time of opportunity mm. and um and we just have to do everything we can to to seize this opportunity to right the ship and put it back on course mm -hmm. and you know we'll see <laughs> so you one of the contributions you've made already not just with this book but with your other work is reminding us those of us who are conservatives of the centrality the essential nature of faith to our understanding. Would you explain that for people who in the audience may say, you know, I'm a conservative, but um, I don't, I don't agree with you, Orm and Kevin. That that just can't be the case. Sure, I, I, I think that the the most important thing to understand about when when you approach this topic is that there is no society, small, medium, or large. There mm -hmm. are no human societies that don't have some kind of um, public philosophy or public religion. There's a, there's a basic framework that, uh, that every human society has. Sometimes it's worked out explicitly by theorists, and sometimes it's not worked out explicitly. Mm -hmm. It's implicit, and, and you, you, you have to look for it in order to understand what it is. But it, it's always there. There are no societies that are different from that. And um, in, you know, in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, um, there, there was a movement in the United States and Britain and across Europe after World War II to say, um, you know, the neutral state uh, the, is the answer. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how can we just in one stroke um, get rid of all the evils in the past, and the answer is to be, you know, neutral, to not mm. distinguish, to not discriminate, right? I mean that, you know, not discriminating, not persecuting, not not persecuting uh, 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 black Americans. That's that's a an extremely important goal, mm -hmm. um, and and they were right to pursue it. But the the general idea that 
um, that the state can be neutral. It, it, it shouldn't make any distinctions you know, between men and women, between you know, uh, uh, Christians, Jews, and atheists, like, it, it, no distinctions. Mm -hmm. That became, that post-World post War II version of liberalism, um, which eliminated God and scripture from the school system in, in, you know, in the name of, you know, equality and liberty. Yeah. Um, that, that framework, um, lasted for 60 years as sort of like the dominant framework from, from the 1960s till, till the 2010s. And, and now its hegemony has collapsed. It is, mm -hmm. it is proved that it cannot sustain itself for more than two generations. It is, Proved that it does not have the strength to f to fight um, the the uh, uh, the woke movement, which is now which is demolishing liberalism in America yeah. and Britain, and is seeking to impose its own hegemony. So, when you look at this, I, I think you know a, a common sense thing to say is liberalism. Post 1960s, post 19, post World War II, 1960s style liberalism did not have what it takes to transmit itself mm -hmm. over generations, and it did not have what it takes to fend off the attacks from from the far left. Mm -hmm. So, what what do we have? And I I think a simple answer is. Uh, well, we have biblical religion. We have you know two thousand years of Christianity and three thousand years mm -hmm. of Judaism, and you know these are fundamental frameworks. You know, I, I you know I, I obviously understand if if people you know people are are skeptical. We've mm -hmm. been raised that way, but but these frameworks have the ability to to uh, to create um, uh, a stability and a, a healthy life mm -hmm. for civilization and. Everybody's responsibility, if they have a conservative bone in their body, and they want to uh, go back to conserving and transmitting things, then they've got to face um, this this reality, which is that uh, that uh, Christianity and Judaism have something that that liberalism didn't have. Mm -hmm. um, and and I think I think that a uh, that a uh, a reconstructed Public culture, hmm. public philosophy, um, based on uh, uh, based on Christianity and the Bible, um, I think that's the only force that realistically can actually fight and defeat mm -hmm. what we're facing. So, people who weren't raised with this and don't fully understand it, they 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 should give it a think. Mm -hmm. And that's you know that's part of the plea of the book is. Um, there's lots of reason to reasons to really good reasons not to to dismiss religion mm -hmm. because it's the only thing that we know has the potential to actually do what we need here. Well, you make a, a strong historical appeal there. You've been using a few times this the word framework. And and I, I would think that thoughtful people especially if they're taken by the other elements of your book would would really give that a think as you say but I want to I want to push you but in a friendly way from a friend for solutions and and it's and not to put you on the spot but I'm genuinely curious in what you'd say is the solution to that considering that every year Pew does this this study of the United States and its religiosity we're seeing the percentage of Americans 
who are nuns, you know, from this Catholic, not an N-U-N nun, but an N-O-N-E nun, um, <laughs> increasing. It'd be perfectly fine with me if we see an increase in nuns. But the point is that it seems as if we're really swimming upstream. And so is this, do you think that the solution for that is within policy and politics? Or is it mostly outside policy and politics? And just one specific postscript to that question is, is there some federal policy that needs to be modified to facilitate that work of rehabilitating religiosity? Yeah. Well, the, the answer is both. Okay. Uh, the, we are talking about a um, – uh, we're, th we're thinking about how it's possible hmm. – uh, for there to be a restoration, a revival, mm -hmm. that that can only happen with, um, you know, with 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 some repentance. Right. Um, so there's a mm -hmm. national version of it, um, and there's a personal version of it. At the national level, I think, um, you know, for the reasons you mentioned, it's you know, it, it it it's completely unrealistic and undesirable at this stage to be, um, you know, to be uh, thinking. Um, you know, in terms of some some you know some kind of uh, uh, federal level, national level, um, you know, uh, reinstitution of religion, mm -hmm. um, it, it right. it's not going to happen. Um, but what could happen um, uh, is for those regions, you know, those states and localities in the United States, and there still are such places where there is a christian majority or where there's a there's a pro christian mm -hmm. majority that'd be a good way of putting it yeah, pe yeah. Pe people who who see what's coming mm -hmm. and they say you know let's let's go into alliance with the christians and see what mm -hmm. we can do in those states in those places where that's still possible i'm saying that should be the goal in other right. words let, let's um uh we need, we need to understand a little bit of history mm -hmm. um, that separation of church and state uh, was was not the policy of the national of the federal government in the United States until 1947. Right. It's only after World War II and sort of the traumatic reaction to to the world wars that's the first time that you see the American Supreme Court intervening across you know all the states in the United States in to 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 begin. Uh, blanket removal of any kind of religion from mm -hmm. from the public sphere, and by the 1960s, that means you know no God, no prayer, no scripture in in the schools, and from there you know throughout society. Uh, so the 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 first policy point is that uh, American constitutional history um, gives um, ample support for the idea that. Uh, that there can be a um, uh, a public religion at the level of the states, mm -hmm. and you know th th that could be mean different things in different states. I mean, th right. th uh, we'd have to imagine that we're you know we're not talking about you know uh, uh, reinstituting uh, you know the, the official Congregationalist Church in Massachusetts, but but there may be states where uh, where Protestants and Catholics um, and some Orthodox Jews and other sympathetic uh, 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 people would design a uh, a a religious public culture mm -hmm. to ex to to give public expression to a uh, to a a, uh, a religious life, mm -hmm. um, and that 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 could be developed as an experiment. Mm -hmm. Right? Different states will do it differently, sure. 
an experiment in restoration, an experiment mm. in in saying, you know, like what you read before that that we did take a wrong turn. Yeah. Uh, uh, in you know, 1947, certainly by the 1960s, there was a wrong turn, and uh, we have to retrace our steps on some issues. Mm -hmm. And uh, the key to the whole thing is. Look, Christianity in America is, to a large extent, I'm 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 saying this as a sympathetic outsider, mm -hmm. not a Christian. Christianity in America has, it's been, it feels defeated. Mm -hmm. It feels um, uh, uh, that th there's a tremendous amount of lack of hope, mm -hmm. and uh, and the the key is to be able to uh, turn that switch in our private lives and in our Th thinking about the public mm -hmm. sphere, and and say, look, th there, there's no grounds for for hopelessness. We just got to do what we got to do, and that that yeah. means that means that we have to stop being embarrassed about talking about the Bible. Yeah. We have to stop being embarrassed in, in, in talking about God. These these are these are good things, and they're much much better than the alternative, which which we've seen plenty of. We, we've lived through, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's extremely well said. And it's a, a wonderful segue into the last question I have about your book and or last comment that I'll make. And I and I mean this genuinely, you know, more than just the professional position I have or someone who has, has spent a lot of time studying the history of conservatism and certainly history of the country. I'm really taken in a great, in a positive way by your focus on living a conservative life. Because as I, as I reread every couple of years, a book that was instrumental in my own formation as a conservative, The Conservative Mind by Russell Kirk, I, I, you know, there's really very little uh, explicit in The Conservative Mind, although Kirk was a uh, you know, wonderful personification of his, of his principles about that. I think about something more recent, our friend Arthur Brooks and his book, The Conservative Heart, beautiful book, great guy. Um, but you really focus on this in the same book in which you as a political theorist do a wonderful job of giving us an intellectual history of our movement. All that to say, I want to read uh, one last excerpt from your book. And this is in the conclusion, the very beginning of it. You say, a distinctive hardship attends the lives of men and women who have grown up in liberal societies, whose traditions, whether Christian or Jewish, were overthrown a few generations earlier, having been told all their lives that they are free to choose Whatever course they please, they find it increasingly difficult to choose any course at all. What you're appealing to is not just the mind, but the heart. Yes. Respond to that. Well, I, 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 I just don't I, look. I, I, I don't think there, that conservatism, uh, a, a public conservatism, can work without a private conservatism. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I say this because I, I know. Many um, wonderfully intelligent, highly motivated um, young conservatives. I mean, this is true for the older ones too. But mm -hmm. but you know that 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 many of the young conservatives think that if they um, you know if they say the right things and push for the right things, if they you know if they if they uh, uh, push for you know family family friendly policies or um, if they, you know, if they, if, 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 if they, uh, work to, to, uh, you know, to, to, to ban abortion, mm -hmm. these are good things to do, but th they think that 
if they do those things, then it's okay to lead a completely liberal personal life. Mm -hmm. What I mean by, by that is um, so many of you know the young conservatives who I admire and come into contact with, you know, a guy is, you know, a guy's 35 years old. He's not married. He's, he's been living, you know, living with his girlfriend for years and years. Mm -hmm. And, and neither of them really under, you know, really feels like there's anything wrong with the fact that they have no children. They're, they're, they're not members of a congregation. They, they live, you know, on the other side of, you know, they, they, they live a, 2000 miles away from their families. Mm -hmm. And so that they basically, they have no roots, they have no community, they, 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 they don't have Sabbaths where they can, you know, go join, go be with the congregation and, and be part of the, uh, the chain of transmission mm -hmm. for, for the Sabbath. You know, they, they go to the beach instead, you know, yeah. that's a perfectly fine thing to do to go to the beach. But, but look, no, Nobody's fooled by this. Mm -hmm. I mean, the real impact that you have is is on the people around you in your life. I, it, I, I mean, it, people hear you saying conservative things, but they see you leading a liberal life. So all you're doing is inspiring them to lead a liberal life. That I mean, that that's really what you're doing. Yeah. And um, and so, look, re repentance has to be at at the heart of any biblically framed understanding of things it has to begin with the individual saying with a, a young man or a young woman or an old man or an old woman saying I, I i'm pushing i am i'm going in the wrong direction i'm on the wrong track i'm pushing the whole world around me mm -hmm. on the wrong track because i'm on the wrong track i have to change course yeah and uh and that means plugging back in mm -hmm. to uh, to those communities, mostly Orthodox congregations at this point, uh, Christian and Jewish, to plug into those communities where the where conservation and transmission is not something you talk about. It's happening every day. It's a skill that you need to pick up by being a member of this kind of community. Yeah. Well, we're going to leave it there for now. I was tempted to ask you another question, but we'll just have you back, hopefully many times over the years. And I just want to say thank you for all of your work. Thanks for what's been a wonderful conversation. I look forward to many more. Yoram Hazoni, you're just a great patriot, a great man, and uh, you've taught us a lot. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Kim. For those of you who make this show possible, thank you. I suspect you have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. Of course, we'll have Yoram back sometime, but in the meantime, on the next episode, we'll have another great thinker, another great motivator, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. Thank you.